Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Hello, my name's Steve and I'm a reluctant social media user. Unlike my son Sam, who you've just seen on the video, and in fact my other two children, they're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's part of their world. They've grown up as part of the social media generation. And they have such confidence in posting stuff. Whereas I have my Instagram and Twitter and Facebook accounts, and I follow lots of people. Uh, but there is something inside of me that just says very loudly, why the heck would anyone be interested in what I'm doing? But on Easter Sunday morning, I decided to post a message wishing everyone a happy Easter. And I then remembered that I had my little slow motion video of the sunrise over Galilee that I took when I was in the Holy Land last year. And I posted that along with an Easter Bible verse. And do you know what? It wasn't long before before I got my first response a like from someone, and then two, and then 20, and then some comments started coming in, and then 50, and then 70 likes, and honestly, inside, I'm buzzing. And it got to 99 and then stopped. And I checked a while later, 99. And inwardly, I was gutted. I couldn't even break 100 likes of my post. And then I caught myself, (laughs) what the heck am I doing? I am 54 years of age, happily married with three fab kids, doing a job that I love, and I'm wanting to get affirmation from a little video message on Facebook. I mean, just for the record, I got two likes on Instagram, so that took me over 100 and I was fine then. but, But what was going on in me? You know, social media has done something amazing for us ordinary people. It's given us a voice, a voice to the world. It allows us to be seen, to be heard, to be known by more people than ever before. And people have insight into our lives, our happy times, the people and pets that we love, our achievements, and they get them instantly. And it allows us to promote great causes and raise money. It's an amazing way to catch up and stay connected with friends, old school buddies, family members, as well as the chance to follow our favourite celebrities and understand their world and what they think. You see, social media can be such a good tool, but it often comes with a filter. You know, many of us post what's good and what's funny and what's beautiful and what's going well. It's like a highlight reel of our lives. And if you don't believe me, check your posts. You will have chosen the best photo of 10 that you've taken. Why? Because it's the best one. And so what do people get? They get the best version of us. You know, there are other times there when we may post Um, how depressed we are. Uh, We kind of call it the no-filter approach. But nearly always we're wanting people to post back affirming messages, kind of wanting others to say how good and how loved we are. And it can be addictive. You know, every like, heart, thumbs up response gives that little rush of dopamine, that that chemical that makes, uh, that the brain makes, that that helps us feel pleasure uh, and makes us feel better. But that dopamine also leaves us wanting more, needing more, chasing after more. And so why do we do it? Well, it's because we want people to like us. 
We want to be affirmed, to be assured that our life has value, that we're known. Now, this series has a social media theme to it, but it applies to life, to everyone. And if all filters could be stripped away, it would reveal that each of us has this insecurity around value. We all want to know that we matter, that we have value, that our life has meaning. So why do we post selfies or tell people how good we are? Why do we show the world how many friends we have and that we know how to have a good time? Well, somehow in life, we try to prove ourselves to others. We look to find our worth and our value from others. Now, in some ways, that's good because we need that. Because when we don't, it messes up our lives. On Wednesday evening, I watched Rocket Man for the second time. Honestly, I cried again. Why? Because there was this boy, this teenager, this young man, this megastar who couldn't make sense of his life, of where he fitted in and his value. He didn't feel valued by his parents. He wasn't ever affirmed by them. In fact, it was the opposite. And that sent him in adult life searching for that affirmation and meaning in lots of places, including drink and drugs and sex. And he was used and abused by others in the industry. And he wanted to become a different person. And so he changed his name from Reg Dwight to Elton John. Why? Because he didn't like his former self. It's a brilliant film, but it's heartbreaking too. And part of me wanted to shout at the TV, look up, Elton, look up, because someone views you so differently uh, to your parents, to your music manager, even to your fans. You know, someone values you more than anyone ever could. And believing this could change the whole course of your life. You see, our insecurities about whether our life matters, whether it has value and meaning, all stems from the fact that we're looking for answers in the wrong place. Now, here at our home, we have a little dog. She's called Poppy. She's cute, but she's stupid. And we can hide her toys and treats in the garden or around the house. And we can tell her to go and find them. And off she runs, all excited. And I mean, just have a guess at how long it takes Poppy to find the toy on the sofa. Come on, pick a number and say it out loud if you're with others watching this. Go on, here we go. Take a watch. Wait. right? See, I did tell you that she was stupid. Now, I don't want to be rude, but so often that's what we do in looking for value. We run around searching in all the wrong places. We've looked in the mirror and tried the self-help approach. You know, I'm beautiful, I'm value, valuable, I'm beautiful, I'm valuable. We've looked on social media to get our likes. We've looked for our relationships to answer the question, 
And for some of us, we've even tried to prove it through our achievements. And yet somehow none have given us the answers that we need. Which is why I have a message of good news today. Because it is time to look in a different place. Instead of looking within us or looking around us, it's time to look up. You see, our Heavenly Father has a view on us, an insight into us that if we get it, will change how we live and how we respond. And it will answer the question as to whether we have value and whether we matter. I mean, take a listen to these words written by Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, who had an encounter with the risen Jesus. This is, Paul had discovered something so powerful that had turned his life around from trying to find value through achievement and religion to discovering the overwhelming love of God. And he'd been writing to a church in Rome about how tough times produce patience and hope. And then he writes this. He says, God gave us his love through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. Now, basically, what Paul is saying is that God's love for him had always been but it had become real for him when he received the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in him. That changed everything for Paul. And he goes on to say, Christ died for us while we were still weak. We were living against God, but at the right time, Christ died for us. Now, imagine giving your life for someone who is hostile towards you, who ignores you or chooses to do things against you. Paul goes on to say, very few people will die to save the life of someone else, although perhaps for a good man, someone might possibly die. And here Paul's recognising that self-sacrifice does happen in extreme circumstances. I mean, occasionally at times we'll hear of firefighters sacrificing their lives in order to rescue another person. And Paul writes, but Christ died for us while we were still sinners. In this way, God showed his great love for us. The transformation that Paul experienced in believing what God said is a transformation that you and I can experience too. If we're prepared to look up and consider how God views and values us. You see, when God looks down at you, this is what he sees and this is what he says. Number one please know that I love you. You are loved and you are lovable. I'm going to prove that to you, not just say it. Now, remember in the 1990s, that song by Extreme, More Than Words? The whole song is about the need for love in action. Don't just say the words, show me that you love me and then I'll know. And as God looks at you, he says, I love you. I have demonstrated my love for you. Because while you were far away from me, Christ died for you. And this shows my great love for you and how much I value you. You know, just in our relationship at home, it has to be more than words for Sarah to know that I love her. So I say that I love her by providing her with constant supply of galaxy ripples. The problem is that they've run out at the Mendelsham shop of them, so she's beginning to question my love now. But fortunately, smarties are making do for the time being. Now, when God says, I love you, he shows us the cross and he says, you were worth dying for. That's how much I love you. 
So number one, God says, I love you. Number two, I want you to know that I forgive you, past, present and future. Despite all the regrets and all your wrongdoing, the dark side of who you are that sucks the life out of you, there is something in history called the cross. And because of the cross, all your wrongdoing, past, present and future, is covered. It's finished with. It's done with. It's paid for. It's washed away. It's cancelled out. And God says, I forgive you. And the weight lifted off our shoulders when we realise this is an incredible feeling. So God says, I love you. He says, I forgive you. Thirdly, you are my masterpiece. You know, God looks at you and sees his best work in action. He's put his heart and soul into you. You are not a mistake. You are God's masterpiece and you contain the very image of God in your life. And as God is amazing, so are you. And you have intrinsic dignity and value on your life. You are a treasured and loved person. This is how God sees you. I mean, think of any masterpiece. Take, take Rodin's The Thinker. That each, you know, that, that statue contains passion and intensity of the creator of the sculptor. And we reflect the passion and intensity of the way that God feels about us. And God says, being my masterpiece has nothing to do with physical perfection. You know, so often we get our value or we try to get our value by how we look. But do you remember Susan Boyle on Britain's Got Talent a few years ago? There she was as a slightly frumpy middle-aged woman with frizzy hair and an awkward manner. And she's standing on the stage before Simon Cowell and the other judges. And we all knew that this was going to be awful. And then something happened when this apparent no-hoper suddenly stunned everyone with her beautiful singing voice. And firstly, there was shock amongst the judges and the audience. And then this tidal wave of support and love and affirmation for her. And I remember a tingle kind of going through me as I watched. And why did it have such a profound effect on people? Well, it's because it echoed what we hope is true, that our value doesn't lie in how we look, that looking wrong and not fitting in doesn't matter. See, in that moment, we got a glimpse of how God feels towards us. Who'd have thought that we would get some spiritual insight from Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> but God says, I am proud of you because you're my masterpiece. You're unique. There is no one like you. So God looks down and says, I love you. I forgive you. You're my masterpiece. And fourthly, he says, I have a special calling for your life. No one's life is worthless or pointless. Your life has purpose. And Paul writes these words to a church in Ephesus. He says, for we are God's masterpiece and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, wherever you find yourself, your calling is to do the good things he planned for you to do. And what are they? Well, we're to be light, to shine the love of God brightly to those around you, wherever you are. In other words, be good news to people. Be the best friend your friend has. Be the most loving wife to your husband. Be the person of integrity in your workplace. 
Look, we're also called not just to be light, but to be salt, to preserve the good in our communities, in our workplaces, and even to add a better flavour to our environments. Look, wherever we are, God says, I have a special calling on your life, and we can do the good things he planned for us. And as he made each one of us unique, we can do the good things in the style and manner that God has made us. I mean, understanding how God has wired you may well help in understanding his special call on your life. I mean, I personally found the Myers-Briggs personality and the uh, strength finders uh, incredibly helpful just in how God wants to use me and I can value who God has made me to be. So God says, I love you. I forgive you. You're my masterpiece and I have a special calling for your life. We all live with the insecurity of whether we matter, whether we have value, and we wonder if our life has meaning. Well, look up and hear what God has to say about you. But what difference does all of that make to us? Well, it depends on whether we accept it as true and really believe it. And by believing, I don't just mean understanding it. I mean allowing it to penetrate our lives, to shape our decisions and affect our relationships with ourselves and with others. And honestly, this stuff is life-changing. This is why I follow him. This is why I've given my life to Jesus, because I've discovered that what he says about me is true. And that brings such security in life. And you can experience that too. If you stop looking around trying to get approval from others, if you stop looking at yourself in the mirror and trying to feel better by some self-talk, but you start looking up and discover a God who loves and values you so highly. And you can invite him in by his Holy Spirit to be with you, to pour God's love into your heart. And I promise you that's a billion times better than any like or heart on Facebook or Instagram. (laughs) Hey, let me pray for you. Father God, you, you know my insecurities. You know I desperately want to be valued, to know that my life has worth and meaning. And I'm sorry that I've looked in all the wrong places to try and get that need met. Please help me to look up and grasp the fact that you delight in me, that you love me, that you forgive me, that I'm your masterpiece and that you have a special plan for me. God, I choose to accept that. I believe that. And I hand my life over to you to lead me forward from now onwards. Thank you that you love me and value me higher than I can value myself. And thank you that you died for me. I choose to trust you and to follow you. In Jesus' name. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the fort. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.